When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is One Hate Minute. Drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. What's your name? Wayne Grove. Look like gangbangers working the local 7-Eleven. Robbery homicides take you. Give me all you got! Give me all you got! I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best. I'm trying to stop guys like me. A podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's L.A. crime opus, Heat, one minute at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to One Heat Minute. I'm your host, Blake Howard. We're at the home stretch, 158th episode of 170. Once again, I love an as-promised return. Once again, as-promised, Connor Ratliff of Step fathers of the George Lucas show of ASCAT at the USB, um, UCB in New York, um, a star of uh, Orange is the New Black, um, is a part of the Gethard show um, for the last seven years, uh, RIP I hear. Yes, yes, yeah, just recently ended. Oh, it's, all, it's, it's, it's ended, but look, Connor is back for arguably one of the most powerful minutes. He blew our freaking socks off with a theory, finally, that actually makes sense in this movie, that it is the last seven days of Neil McCauley's life. And now he's back for the minute that proves this guy's ethos. When you spot the heat coming around that corner, you got to be willing to let it, let everything go in your life in 30 seconds flat. And so, her, sir, here we are. Ah, oh, it's, it's, it's such a uh, profound moment. It's such a it's one of the most powerful moments in the whole movie. And that's saying something, you know, you've been this is whole, this has been a journey. You've been going through minute by minute. Every minute has something in it that's a treasure. And yet this is one of one of the the biggest treasures of all emotionally. This is where this is what it's all about. What do they want? What do they want? You know, and the choices that they make. And it all comes down to this moment. And it comes down to this moment. And and uh, they don't have to say a word. They've already said it to each other in the coffee scene. Mm. You know, Vincent, Michael Mann famously talked about, he goes, Vincent really wanted to take Neil to go get a cup of coffee, just like Charlie Adamson took the real Neil McCauley because he knew that even though it was unorthodox, even though it was weird, he would learn something in that moment that he'd be able to use later. Mm-hmm. And in just the preceding minute, we talk about the glance. Vincent glances up. And he catches Amy Brenneman's Edie in the car. He catches her. just, mm-hmm. And it's that moment you know, amongst the frenzy and chaos of all the people running around. And with our great friend, uh, Justin Armel, who's uh, one of the extras that Al Pacino runs into in this scene, um, way way back and joined the show. He, he was actually on there. So shout out to Justin. We've just gone past that moment. But it's the single woman in a car by herself that leads Vincent down this path, leads him down this way. And then we're going to start this minute. So, Connor, thank you so much for being part of the show again. 
You were a great guest before, and I'm so pleased that we got to hook up again to do this. So thank you. And we're on the downhill stretch of a marriage, my third, or like in heat parlance, on the downhill <laughs> stretch of this of this podcast. Yeah. So thank you so much for being a part of it. Let's watch this insanely great minute, the 158th minute together, and then we're going to come back and talk about it. Ooh. There it is. There it is. Wow. So good. He does and, it. And yeah. He, and he does ever so slightly break his rule. He does. It's just, it's just, and I don't remember, did I say it on the podcast last time? No, we didn't. This no. is, this, this is, this is where you, this is where you get okay. to. This is where I said, okay. So in that moment, and I did, this is something when I the four times I saw Heat in the theater on original release, the uh, the first time in America, and then three more times in my first in month England. of drama school in England. <laughs> partly because I was homesick, and it, it took me back, it, it made me feel like I was at home again. But by the fourth time, you know, it was, it's a lot. That's a lot of times to see a movie that long and that intense. In you know, like I was literally seeing it three weeks in a row there um, when I was in England. And the third time was so close, I started looking at technical things. I started observing. That's where I noticed that it was seven days. And when you got to that scene, uh, and I was, I had, it had occurred to me before that I'm like, oh, well, obviously that's the point where uh, Neil walks away from the thing because literally the heat is, has come around the corner. <laughs> yes. And I, can't, I remember sitting in the theater counting uh, when – De Niro notices Pacino, and it's and I've done it several. I always do it. I always count now when I, get, when I <laughs> cannot do it. But it's just over. At first, I was like, "Oh, it's not thirty seconds." So I was like, "Oh, maybe I'm wrong." But then I thought, "No, of course, it's like thirty-one. It's just slightly over thirty seconds." Yes, and just a and just a hair over a hair over. And and that's why, even though it's meaningless, he still he still leaves her. He still runs away. I do believe it is the difference between who lives or dies at the end of this movie. A hundred percent. Maybe um, instantly, or if he had even left it at 30 seconds, because there is that thing of like, he's backing away from her, but he's still looking at her. And there's that last little turn and look and turn and look. And then there's the moment when he turns his back and runs. Yes. And I think he would have gotten away if he truly had, uh, stayed true to his thirty-second rule. Absolutely, it's the final. Um, it's the final nail. Because and it was ju- yeah. because he spots him long in the distance. He comes yeah. down the steps. We just miss a hair of it, 
but he catches Vincent in his eye line. And he's a fast runner. And in the in the coming minutes, there are a few moments where he where where Hannah just barely catches a glimpse of him in the distance. Yes. And that that thirty seconds could have been his getaway. Mm-hmm. And it just he found something that was important enough to him that it 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 you know that's the discipline and it it violated his discipline uh, and there's no way that's a coincidence because it's a long <laughs> it's a long sequence in uh, the I, 158th episode nothing has been a coincidence in this movie. nothing is a, yeah and there's no way that Michael Mann uh, I mean this is it's so carefully done that it doesn't call attention to it no because it's all about the emotion that uh there's no they don't cut to a clock they don't there's nothing about it (laughs) how how grating would that be someone please one of the many amazing editors that have been on this show just cut to like a really glaring countdown clock during this time someone just stitch it on there throw it on youtube we'll post it on the one heat minute page just yeah, you know, do something silly. The yeah, the you you need a a twenty four style uh, countdown clock. <laughs> you, you need uh, an audio flashback of the of of uh, Neil saying the lines that you hear it in the head. Like, there's so many ways. And the, then, the, and, the, and I just yeah. want an NFL ref to come in and just throw a penalty yeah. delay of game flag, like he's just. Yeah, he, he looks at Amy Brenneman and he literally sees the clock ticking down, like her face, like in old cartoons where characters get hungry and they turn the the body turns into a chicken. She just turns into a, a her head turns into a clock. Um, yeah, it's it's so gracefully done for something that is like, you know, he says it twice in the movie, and it would be very easy to call attention to it. It would be very easy to call attention to it, but I'm I'm so impressed that it's. Um, because it is one of those things that once you realize it, you kind of can't unrealize it. I, I, I never watch it now where I'm not aware of the fact that I'm like, oh, this, this has to take this long. It's not, you know, it's driven by the feeling, but like you could easily imagine a version of this where he sees, but you know, just runs yes. and you know, cut to Amy. There's, there's, especially in a movie that is already a long movie. That's like an easy cut which is just like, why don't we just have him see Hannah and run? No, you have to have it. No, you have to have it. And you have to have what I think is probably the elevating factor is Amy Brenneman's performance. Because Mm -hmm. when he stops, like she's looked at the chaos that he's orchestrated. Yeah, which is one of the the funniest shots in the whole movie. The, The moment where it cuts back to her and there's just like sirens and everything. And she's looking around and she knows it's her boyfriend, oh, but yeah. she doesn't know what she, ha- you she know? has. She has no clue. But when she sees him, mm-hmm. there's this amazing sense of relief. He even undoes the tie. And you're like, yep. there is a sense of like, Oh, that you can just sort of breathe for a split second. And as yeah. soon as he catches Hannah, we already know that something's going down, but there's this happiness on her face, this hopefulness. It's like, oh my God, he's going to take me finally out of this situation and we can just forget about this as another blip on the Neil McCauley radar, like in LA. Yeah. And then there's a horrific awakening on yeah. her face. Like when yeah. he stops and looks at her and he sort of starts to do this weird strafe like glacially slow strafe to the left, like as if he's being lured by a magnet. Her face, her face, 
her performance there is just so unbelievable because it's joy and relief and then mm-hmm. just this terrified realization that this nothing that this guy ever said was ever going to override his program. He was yeah, going to do and, this. And there's also, you know, the most recent viewing that I had of the whole movie, it did really occur to me that, like, um, Amy Brenneman's character... Um, really that that her point of view in that plot line really is like dating is hard you know like the fact that the fact that she is able to be convinced to go because her initial reaction when she finds out about him yes you know is exactly the reaction you would expect which is who are you what is this she runs yeah and there is an aspect of you know, even the next morning she's like a hostage. She's like, "What do you, what do you need from me?" <laughs> it is a very awkward and, the, and gross scene. That scene, and the fact that he is able to kind of turn her, I think, is a testament to how lonely it can be in the city. You know, the fact that yeah. he's able to convince her. I think in order to buy that, you have to buy that she's been through a lot and she is so lonely that this is she is able to rationalize this and go along with it. And, and that, and her willingness to go along with it is immediately rewarded with, with another, another heartbreak, you know, like, and she she, feels, she feels like a captive though. Like there's a first part of this scene and she's not a captive, mm -hmm. but you feel like she is. And we know what Neil will do. Like she's got, she's got a, and I, I don't think, I don't think we've talked about it too much in the entirety of this podcast, but she's a captive and he'll kill her. Like is, is death, is death, is death on the cards if she doesn't do it? Has she seen too much? She knows him. Will she confess, give them a detail or is he just happy to discard her? I can't. I mean, that, I'm, it's never occurred to me, and I don't think I want to think about that in terms of I, I do think that he, in the same way that he, the same part of him that doesn't run the second uh, he sees Hannah tells me that he wouldn't kill her unless something else would have to happen. Like yes. if she said, I'm going to the police right now or something like that. But I think if if he just left her or if she just said, I don't want to go with you, I do think he would let her live. Because, because she doesn't know enough. She doesn't know enough she to doesn't, be a problem. She doesn't know enough, and I think he does care about her. And I don't think that he's like he's not a psychopath. He's not. Um, no, he's not. He's not a psychopath. He's a he's a high functioning sociopath. But he's yes. <laughs> he's he's not. A, he's but not quite a psychopath. I I think the only, I think there would have to be a, a a third element that's not in here to get him to the point where he would kill her. Yeah. She would have to suddenly be like, I'm gonna go to the cops, or you know. And I don't think I don't think he gets that sense from her. And I think he is the kind of person who, like, if he senses something is a certain way, he's confident in those. Like, he's confident in his instincts. Yes, you know. I, there's uh, a there's the wonderful scene where, and, and so, like I said, there's a captive feeling because she's with him, uh, and she's she's there begrudgingly, and he's like, "Come with me," and 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 she just looks completely betrayed. And the amazing roadside roadside scene where mm-hmm. he says, "Like I don't want to live my life unless it's with you." Essentially, to paraphrase. Right. 
Yeah. In that moment, she turns and then there's hope. And so they go through, they both have their tunnel moment. In the tunnel moment, he can't, he can't escape his instinct and impulse to take out Wango. He can't. It's, it's, he's slavishly adhering to this, you know, mm-hmm. um, famously. He, he, he laughs about it a little bit. He, he kind of, he has an expression on his face that's kind of like, I can't believe that I can't let this go. But yes. I can't. Yes. You know? And Matt Zolzites, who recorded that episode with me in the tunnel, said, you know, what what do we call tunnel vision? You know, it's myopia. You know, it's like, you know, mm. that he, he's solely focused. He's 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 just he he can't see anything else except what his programming is in that moment. And tragically, in that moment, she feels like it's a new start. It's a rebirth. She's going through the tunnel and she's like, all this yeah. shit, we're just gonna leave it behind. We're nearly at the airport. It's all good. And then I almost I almost wonder if she's in shock during that post post roadside scene because she seems strangely at peace in that tunnel drive. <laughs> like she seems absolutely. like absolutely she's serene. Uh, yeah, and the watching her in this minute when she sees him backing away and she doesn't know what it is, but she knows that something's happening. She has no sense of it. Like Al Pacino runs by her and she doesn't even clock it. No. Like she doesn't. She doesn't know why he's running away. So from her point of view, he goes inside. I have one thing to do. And all of a sudden there's, you know, sirens and fire engines and everything. There's chaos everywhere. She doesn't know why. She doesn't know what. But he's <laughs> caused this. And he comes out. Looks like everything's fine. And then he reacts. There has to be a part of her that is like, is it me? Like, because <laughs> he's looking at her. If you look at it from her point of view, he looks at her and then all of a sudden it's almost like she turned into a pumpkin or something. It's really almost like a spell is bro. He looks at her like there's something wrong. Yeah. And he's like, I have to, I, I have to break everything that I said before. Everything that I said before is a lie. He doesn't say anything. He just looks horrified. <laughs> yes. And from her point of view, like it almost like, this poor woman that goes through all of this stuff, the last thing almost you wonder whether it feels like she's being gaslit or something where she's like, uh, he just, he, he looks shocked by to look at her. Like I can't, I can't. And then he back and then he runs away. That's gotta be one of the most confusing things of in a series of very confusing <laughs> things that happens to her is at the end, he goes inside, comes back out, smiles. And then all of a sudden his expression changes, and he runs away from her. It's a hell of a way to end a Tinder date. It's a hell of a way to end a Tinder date. And it makes you wonder, you know, we don't see her again. <laughs> no. Does she drive away? How long does she stay there? I have no idea. Does she idea. go home? Um, it's not it's her, not her car. car. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> are the, the, he left it running, though, right? The, the car the is running. The car, yeah. He's in the car. Does she park it somewhere and then leave it? Does she, you know, what does she do? She's an accomplice (laughs) to a cop killer. I mean, the, can you imagine if this, I mean, the film ends exactly where it needs to end. But if you imagine a version of this movie that is five to 10 minutes longer and just (laughs) follows up on what happened, do you imagine she's in any kind of legal trouble at the end of this? I I think that I think maybe they'd visit her. They'd have to to follow it up. Maybe. Do they know about her? Yeah. 
Well, Vincent, Clock, Vincent clocked her. But as yeah. you said, once he saw her, she was just like the cue. Yeah. He doesn't care about her once he sees Neil. His yeah. head's down. Neil's got the head start. As you said, if he leaves in 30 seconds, he's got more of a head start and he gives Vincent an extra 10 seconds of catching up time. You know, this all yeah. this catching up time. And so Vincent's head is down when he streams past her. Yeah. He's... And it always strikes me in that end that Neil runs like a machine. Yes. And Vincent runs like an animal. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? That yes. like Neil's run is very much like uh, like a Terminator or like a, like a, a sophisticated piece of, of robotics or machinery doesn't look like an animal it doesn't look like any animal no it's cold it's it's mechanical it's a guy who is trained to run long distances away from police like he's trained he's put in the time vincent is like a cheetah or a hawk or he's he's, he has the speed it almost looks like his face becomes yeah uh, he's uh, like uh, he has a beak he has a is a different and it's the look in his eye too that like vincent has a look in his eye which is like i have my prey in sight. And Vincent's run there, it's De Niro looks like he could run he can run faster and more machine like, but Vincent mm-hmm. seems like a force. Like I'm gonna yeah, run hung- you down. I don't care he's how hungry for it. I don't yeah. care how long you run. I'm gonna be here. Yeah. I'm gonna be I'm gonna get you. Yeah. Um and we don't hear in the car. The radio's not on, right? Nope. The radio's never on, unless they're listening to the score to heat in the tunnel. <laughs> unless they're listening to that. That. Uh, a little bit of God Neil moving. Got- up, a little bit of God moving over the face of waters <laughs> from Moby. Yeah, yeah. Neil has his Moby CD in the in the uh, single disc uh, uh, player. Um. Neil Macaulay wouldn't have a multi-disc. He wouldn't have a disc Never. changer because you got you got to be able to unload those discs in <laughs> less than thirty seconds. Um, Would he ever have a book so on tape? Would he have a book on tape? I I wonder. I mean, as far as we can see, when Neil drives, it's in silence, right? Mm-hmm. He just listens to the like it's a music. So just do we ever do we ever have any indication that Neil Macaulay likes music? He has an empty, silent house. Yeah. Um, the 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 closest to a musical note we have is the sound of a Beretta hitting a glass table gently. Yeah, just a sl- light percussion. Ting ting, like just that. That's Neil's music. That's about as much music. Does Hannah? I mean, we see Hannah at the club. We see him walking into that music in the club. Oh, he dances. He, he and Justin he dances. they dance and he goes, they dance. There's music. They, there's music. This is this is how. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, because I can't think of any examples of music in Neil Macaulay's life. Nothing. Presumably there was music in that restaurant they went to, but that's incidental. Neil, Neil uh, the, the music of Neil Macaulay's life is just the clutter and the 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 hum of like humanity mm-hmm. around him. He's not like yeah. he's not a leisure guy. Like he goes and buys books on medals because of a job. Like he's he's got yeah. a he's got an order and a sense to him. Like Vincent at least is clutching to the idea that he's a social animal. Vincent's not. He's a hunter, um, but yeah. he's clutching to that idea. So in these brief moments, in these brief windows, you know, it, it, as much as a reward for his crew who have to put up with him as as for the wives, he's doing what he's got to do to be a part of it. 
But then when yeah, Vincent, I mean, I- but when Vincent gets back to his hotel room, as an example, you know, just prior to the tragedy with Lauren, like he doesn't go in and whack on a CD. He's, no, that's he's a hotel st- room, though. That's a hotel. You don't always have that option. No, <laughs> no. Um, I do think. I mean, I always think about Amy Brenneman's character. Is that's a very sad plot line. She doesn't deserve any of this that happens to her. She she's a complete victim of of. She flirts with the wrong guy in the restaurant. You know, it's just bad luck. Yes. And you imagine she's had bad luck her whole life by the fact that she, that I think the only way that she goes along ultimately with. Neil is because she must have had worse experiences than this. Like, like she must have because otherwise, or or is this the one experience that just makes her like not have fun anymore? I don't know. I, I, there, an optimistic view is that the 30 seconds where he runs away from her might be the best thing that ever happened to her. It is the best thing that ever happened to her. Yeah. Because even if they were to go to whatever, Island or whatever. Neil Macaulay would go nuts. In he thinks he wants uh, something else. No, he thinks he wants open a little coffee shop somewhere. There's no way he wants that. There's, I would never order a coffee from Neil Macaulay. It would, would be perfect. It would be perfect. <laughs> Don't you think? Like he would do it with. It's a service, and like if he really committed to it, the customer service would be impeccable. There wouldn't be much warmth, but you would get what you ordered, and it would be. Sublime. It would be it would be chemically wonderful. the coffee you ordered would be chemically so precise. <laughs> yes. uh, there'd be it would be lacking some some human touch, but it would it would be like technically perfect coffee. Yes, but what but, but what, there, I'm, what I'm saying is you couldn't yeah. imagine him shackled to a spot. No. He's like a blistering. He's a, he's a blur. He's moving. He's yeah. in a car in silence. He's the the brief and rare, rare, rare moments where he goes back to his little cave. He's there, like looking at the ocean. It's moving. He's he's lured by that movement. Like there's something happening. There's something there. So the idea that he's going to stay still is just it. it it's like that's where that's where I wrestle in the best possible way with him and Edie. Because you know, after you've watched it as many times as both you and I have at this point, it's like you watch mm-hmm. it and you're like. You know that he's trying to be desperately sincere and romantic, and this is something that he wants. And you know that she is just a genuine person. But I can't help but feel like Neil. You know yourself. You know your program so well. Why are you lying to yourself? Like this is a lie. It's all a big. He, he, but he, he would thinks, like. He would like to like it. He he does like yes. it, and he wishes that was what he really wanted. He, I think he's convinced himself he wants it. I think if he actually was to go and live that free and clear life with Edie, the same part of him that says, I'm never going back to prison, I think he would end up viewing that freedom as another prison. Yes. And I think he would escape from it. And I'll tell you what, there would be some high line burglaries in New Zealand that mystified the police there. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Without any doubt. Absolutely. Um, Edie would suddenly it, have this majestic necklace, oh, and he'd, she'd be like, "Oh, where did you? Yeah. Oh, never mind. It's an heirloom." You could imagine, you you could imagine such a beautiful sequel to Heat visually. Like, <laughs> imagine the 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 sequel shot in New Zealand to Heat of Neil McCall. Uh, landscapes in New Zealand, you know. 
I mean, what would be the biggest heist in New Zealand? What would be what, what would be the high end targeting that that uh, well, that Neil Macaulay? The big, what do you think would strike his fancy? The big towns. So there's you know North and South Island. The big sort of cities in New Zealand are like Auckland and Christchurch, and so mm-hmm. it would be one of those. It would be one of those two. It would be like a heist that would happen in like one of the main towns. Um, both. But, if I do both. There'd be two big heists, and it, you can drive multiple. You can drive, multiple jobs going. You can drive New Zealand in like forty hours. Or something. You can drive the island length. You know, so he, it wouldn't be long before he was bored. He'd just go to Sydney and you know come over into Australia and go to Sydney and start start working. Yeah, oh, it's a shame. There would have been there would have been uh, uh, it would have been a real fascinating thing to just see a sequel where he's just quietly quietly behind Edie's back doing these large-scale heists <laughs> while still putting up the front that he gave it up. Still working at the coffee shop with Edie's mm-hmm. art on the walls. Yes. Sp- serving absolutely pristine coffee. Yeah. I mean, the expression on De Niro's face in this 30 seconds is him... Um, it's De Niro realizing that it's not going to happen for him. And... And I think he also knows in that 30, 31 seconds, he knows he's being sloppy. He knows that he should run, and yes. he doesn't. He knows – from the second he sees Hannah, he knows exactly what he should do, and he can't. He needs to look at her a little bit more, even though it's just a few seconds. It's not from – a, from a, it's a completely irrational thing for him to linger because – they, he can't. He knows. He he's. I mean, I guess part of him is probably some part of his brain is running the numbers. Is there a way? Yeah. Out. But well, I think. I think. I, I, I don't even think that kind of. I think he knows. The minute he, he knows, knows from, the, the second he sees where Hannah's in, he knows that they're boxed yeah. in. He probably knows that when he gets out of this hotel, he's got to pluck her out of that car, and he's yeah. he's got to blend. Just say there's no Hannah. I imagine a, yeah. like in a, in a in an alternate universe where there's no Hannah there, he plucks her out of that car in amongst that mm-hmm. chaos and just blends into the crowd and they make their way back to the airport. Like the airport yeah. is literally that close. So yeah. it, it, they might be slightly late for their flight or whatever, but he's going to make his way to the airport without a tail and blend into all the chaos that's streaming out of that hotel. Yeah. But right when he sees Hannah, he knows there's no way out. He's like, he, because that yep. his, his presence is flagged. And yeah, and uh, someone who can eyeball him in the crowd is there, and so for me, he's like etching her into his memory in denial. He's like, yeah. "I'm gonna go, and I just can't not look at her for thirty seconds. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try yeah. and adhere to my rule." And he knows that there's no version in which he can run with her. No, like there's no version in which the two <laughs> she, of them. She's not run like away. Linda Hamilton from Terminator Two. Like he, she can't jump out of that car and leap fences and and carry a gun and fire it at Vincent. Yeah. Um, and if even if we were to try, it would implicate her. Yes. You know, that, uh, yeah, there's just so much going on for a, for a minute in which only one thing really happens, yes. you know? Yes. There's one thing that happens, but there's so much to that one thing. Um, and... You know, Can you and imagine Vincent, trying to write yeah. this? You know that exercise of like, yeah. If you're if you've never been a screenwriter before, there's a very basic exercise that people do. That they tell you just go go home and try and write down everything that happens in like your favorite scene of a movie. 
Mm-hmm. So right now in 60 seconds, how do you articulate? Yeah. How do you articulate what happens in that 60 seconds? Yeah, he sees her. She sees him. He sees Hannah. Oh, he, see, he looks back to her. She's looking at him. She's like, what? 30 He's se- looking at her. He's like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, just like, we look over to Hannah. He's running. You know, it's one of those things where uh, the, the – it would, it would, if you really wrote it out, it would almost sound comical because we just keep coming back. <laughs> Meanwhile, Hannah's still running out, you know, just like, uh, it's he's com- backing up a little. He's looking com- at her. She's it's- looking at him. She's getting out of the car. She's like, where are you going? He's backing away. Meanwhile, Hannah's still running. You know, it's just the rhythms of it. I mean, why is the screenplay for this not, it has never been published in any form like the shooting script, right? Uh, it's around, but it's not, it's, it? there's, on, there's online not versions a- of it. It's, it's not like a beautiful, pristine book. To buy, otherwise I would yeah. have it, and I'd be reading it along as we did this. But there's and is it the shooting script or is it a transcript? Like, is it is it like what man originally like wrote with his like? There, what there's a there's a March to uh, March ninety four, yeah, script. But I don't know if there's a proper shooting script. Right. I wonder what the I wonder what, if I could read one minute of it. This would be the minute I'd want to read is to see like what how I think there's a one man show. Of yeah. you doing that, explaining that everything that happens. Because that's my favorite thing, I think, maybe that we've done. Yeah. Is you going, she looks at ha- he looks at her, she looks at him, he looks at Hannah, yeah. Hannah's still coming. Hannah's running. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the best want- worst story of that your friends are explaining a scene from a movie and you're like, What I have no idea what's going on while you're talking, but I'm interested while you're saying every single word. I did once perform in a show at UCB. There was a show that everyone was doing. Uh, it was a tribute to Liza Minnelli, and everyone was doing different things during the show. And I came out as Liza Minnelli and <laughs> and mentioned that I'd been friends with, uh, and I'd obviously worked with Bobby De Niro, but one thing that wasn't known was that we often went up for the same parts. And, and then I proceeded to act out the bank robbery scene from Heat as Liza in Heels. <laughs> Um, and so it was me like, uh, like for the part where he jumps up on the counter, I was like in heels jumping up onto a bunch of chairs that were lined up against one another. It was me doing an impression of Liza Minnelli explaining everything about how, uh, your money is insured by the federal government. You won't lose a dime, (laughs) but it was all done in a, in a, with Liza's flair and attitude. And then, and it did everything up to the point of the, um, shooting through the machine gun, uh, through the front windshield as Macaulay. Um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, did anyone get, you know, I, is it, where's the Zapruda footage for that? I, I'm, I'm desperate. I, there, there are moments there. I think there's like, <laughs> I'll see if I can find online. There's a few seconds of it somewhere <laughs> online, I think. But I know, I know of that show, you know, everyone else was doing things that were, you know, the people who come to the show, come to see Liza Minnelli bits. It was the one bit that was sort of, you <laughs> feel there were pockets of the room that had seen heat that remembered it enough to know oh that's what he's doing there's, there's a certain amount of bewilderment uh in terms of uh, uh the crossover between like diehard liza minnelli fans and fans of the movie heat not that it doesn't exist but it's uh at least within that audience it was a it was a uh, uh, only a smattering of people that I feel truly got <laughs> understood what I was referencing. <laughs> well, I think I there think... was some pleasure in seeing just the absurdity of it, even <laughs> if you don't know what it is. Um, <laughs> I could tell there were people who were instantly like, I know this scene. Yeah. One of the great scenes that we never got to see Liza Minnelli do in her entire life and career. Liza would, would have been a great Neil or Vincent. She would have, <laughs> there's a version of this movie where Liza could have played both. You know what I mean? Yes. 100%. 100%. Yeah. 
Yeah. She's a triple threat, you know. <laughs> How's there's one there's one like I often wonder if Neil really thinks that he's going to get out of here. You know, like after all the carnage, he knows there's a lot of chaos. He's seen all mm-hmm. the action. Does he really think he's getting away in this moment? I think he does. I think the moment he's loosening his tie, I think he really thinks he's going. I think he thinks he's done it. I think he thinks he's created enough of a mess that it'll camouflage. Um, that is a great point. It, it'll camouflage. I think he. I think because he 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 underestimates. I mean, the fact that Hannah is there on the scene, he just underestimates him. You know. Yes. I think if he thought there was a chance that Hannah was going to be. Anywhere near there. Yeah. Then maybe he doesn't turn around. But I think he's, you know, I mean, also, he convinced Edie to come along with him. That seems like it was a bigger, like, it seems like everything's going his way. That it's like, hey, this woman I've barely been dating, I've been dating her less than a week. And she found out I'm a bank robber and I've killed people. And, and she, uh, and, no, and, not just kill people, ran. did the greatest heist almost in LA yeah. history. And I, I've killed cops. I've killed cops. <laughs> and she ran away in horror when she realized, and I managed to talk her into going away with me. I think at that point, I think that gives him maybe a false sense of he can do anything. I think he feels slightly mm-hmm. invincible that he's like, not only did I get the girl, there's no reason for that girl to go with him in a, in a <laughs> sane world, you know, no, no. like they've been dating less than a week. And yeah, being a cop flesh. killer and a bank robber is, she found that out. It should be a no, it should be a deal breaker. I mean, unless I'm mistaken, this is their third date. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah, uh, it is. The, the, the first date, the first date was we meet at the restaurant Yep. We go look over the balcony and we sleep together. Correct. The second date was he calls her up. He's like, I want to see you again. And I, I thought it was, I was worried it was only one night. Not for me. It wasn't the third date is he comes the over. Third date, he, right? The third date he gets, he pushes into her kitchen and has, yeah. he's parched after all the bank he robbing fixes drink, fixes himself <laughs> a drink the, on its own. I, I posit this. I posit this. Remove the cop killing and the bank robbery from the scenario entirely. Let's say she doesn't know about it. She doesn't have a working television. She hasn't heard about this. <laughs> Just pushing into the apartment, fixing him a drink. For some people, that would be enough. It's like this guy's bad news. Into he pushed in, into the apartment and fixed a drink and was a little bit grouchy. In 2019, that would be enough that, like, there's no fourth date. In 2019, that is a huge red flag, and that is a Twitter story that you put up. Like, this douchebag came in and fixed himself a drink in my kitchen without even saying hello. And the, So the, the third date is him coming in there, keeping her there all night. And then does he leave? Does he leave the house? Does he leave no, the no, house? He, stay, he's, he's, he stays with her. He's hiding in Edie's house while he's arranging yeah. and Nate's coordinating an out. And so then he can. And when he goes over to Nate's, she's in the car. She's in the car. 
Yeah, so she doesn't get away from him. The third date lasts more than 24 hours, right? <laughs> yes. Maybe, or close to it anyway. Close to. Uh, it's, it's like a day a four- long. It's almost a 48-hour date. It's actually a 36-hour date by the time we're at this moment. They've been together for and 36 and hours. Most, and most of that date is not going well. You know? <laughs> no. And For at least 20 hours of it, or at least like 12 hours of it, she's not into it. It's the pre-tunnel. Yeah, she's genuinely a hostage. Yes. The third date begins with her, uh, him fixing himself a drink, <laughs> running up the hillside and tackling her in the in, in the, the reeds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so this is, you know, the fact that he convinces her to go away with him, to leave the country with him. I think, you know, he. I think beyond that, once he's accomplished that, and then he realizes, no, nah, I'm going to leave Wayne Grove, and he's driving. He's like, you know what? I can't a girl. I can have the guy who betrayed who betrayed my crew. Uh, I can get away with all of this, and it's, you know, it's it's hubris in a way that that Hannah doesn't have that same thing. Like Hannah has his moments that are the opposite of that, which is like they're gone. Yes, it's ha- over. Ha- Hannah-, like Hannah gives up. Hannah is Hannah is so enamored in a way by them mm-hmm. and their capability yeah. that as soon as they don't have them, he's like, yeah. he's gone. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to go gone. sleep for a week. They're gone. Gone. I'm out. Gone. Yeah. And whereas, whereas Neil, when things are going his way, he gets that high of like, I'm the best. I can do it all. I can get my revenge and my romance and I can have it. And, you know, you will never know. There's no way of knowing whether he would make a different choice if he knew that he wasn't going to get away with killing Wayne Grove. You know? Yeah, it's tough. But for him to walk into that hotel knowing that he's staying under there in a fake name, knowing that he's going to be watched by cops. He's only putting himself in a position to kill more cops, hurt more people, only mm-hmm. to get there. He's he's playing a short odds game, but it's it's the fact that he just feels that the cops... He, he, this is where his moment of preempting Vincent, he would assume that Vincent thinks he's gone. Yeah. And that's one of the only things that gets him there, right? So you're, you're spot on and Vincent's like, they're gone, they're gone, they're gone. So in his mind, he is gone. There's no way the Neil who sat down in front of me in that coffee shop would say, would come back for this. Why would he do yeah. that? Yeah. He wouldn't. He absolutely wouldn't. But now he does. He does come back. Uh, and that's the cue. Uh, and, you know... Is there a part of him that would rather be caught than than take the big risk? Is there a part of him that's hedging his bets because deep down does he know that this is not – like I always read it as straight ahead that when he's in that tunnel that he thinks I'm going to uh, I'm gonna go get him. I'm going to go get Wayne Grove. Is there a part of him that's also like this – is a fantasy I'm driving towards, whereas I can, I know I can get Wayne Grove. I think, I, I think, know I. I think, I think it's the, the, the madness and the conflict that come across his face in that moment. And the, 
you know, the fighting instinct versus impulse versus, you know, intellectualizing versus calculation, mm-hmm. you know, I think all of those things could be true. Like every thought, conceivable thought that he could have in that moment is colliding. Yeah. And all that conflict is making him have all these weird reactions and this absolutely wonderful, you know, close up on his face, all happening all at once. And he reflexively goes back to what his instinct is, which is not leave a loose end. That guy screwed me over. That guy stopped this heist from going perfectly. He is the source of truth. And he also, he's got it coming from screwing up the previous heist. He's dead. I can't yeah. rest. I can't rest and even move on to another job, let alone go, you know, right off into the sunset unless he's dead. I can't have him alive. And so he does it. But you're right about the hubris, though. Like walking into that hotel, you know, putting his mm-hmm. head down as people, you know, as he sees, you know, people with shotguns behind the counter, LAPD people in there sort of glancing, you know, try not to draw too much attention to themselves, but also drawing attention to themselves. It takes a lot of balls to like walk in there and know that everyone's looking for you. Everyone's expecting you to come. And especially for a guy who plans stuff meticulously. I mean, it's impressive to see the way that he, I think I said this in the last, um, in the last uh, episode that I did where I was talking about how uh, Neil is sketch and, Vincent is improv. Yes. And you're watching Neil improvise a plan. Like the part where the, the, uh, the security, the cop comes up behind him in the hallway and he backs up to him. Yes. Where you feel like he's caught. Neil is so confident with that. He's so confident the way that he deals with these, you know, unplanned moments, you know? Um, he really, he really does. Uh, it's just he just can't stick it. You know, he can't stick the landing in this. You know, it, it's he. The fact that he gets away with everything that he wants inside that hotel, only to come outside and realize that he's had all these small, smaller. He's won every battle and he's about <laughs> to lose the the big war. That it's it, it, you know that you know you're seeing a man who's who's you know. This whole movie, the, the look on his face is not just about the loss of Edie. It's also about, I think, all of this was for nothing. Like, he's yes. lo- he's, lo- he's about to lose. It's all – getting Wayne Grove means he now loses his chance for anything, you know? That everything that he's done in the movie up to this point has led him to now, now I'm going to fucking have to run through the tarmac <laughs> – just to try not to get killed. Yes. Let alone achieve any of the stuff I want, you know. Uh, and Vincent in this minute is just a, he's just a he, dog going after a bone. He's just like. He's got the scent. He's a hunting dog. He's got that scent yeah. and he is running. He's like. Yeah. He's salivating. Yeah. And he. And. You know, and and he's also, I mean, it's it's bleak, but he's also on a little bit of a winning streak because he just he just saved a young girl's life. You know, he he's not. You know, his relationship seems like it's maybe over. 
Yep. His marriage seems like it's maybe over, but it ended on a you know a heroic beat. <laughs> yes. You know that like his ex wife isn't going to hate him. He's the man who saved her daughter's life, and then you know? asked if she could make it work. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and then he's like, oh well, I got to go catch this thing I've been looking for. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it's a little bit of a wing streak streak at the end as well. You know. That, uh, you know, at the end of this day, you know, he's he's the one who, like, like, for all of the mess and chaos of, you know, this is a guy who just, you know, not too long before this, like, kicked his TV out onto the street, <laughs> you know? And now he's he is on the way towards, uh, he is on the way towards <clears throat> being a real hero, you know? But at what cost? Uh, his Connor... cost is small. His no. cost is smaller. His cost is smaller. His life's pursuit, Connor. We're so close to talking about this minute. I can't. That's exactly. This is exactly where we're going to end, ladies and gentlemen. We can't go any further because we're in the final pursuit. We're in the final <laughs> chase, and we're with a yeah. man who not only is a star of things like Orange is the New Black and Search Party and The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is absolutely spectacular and he is spectacular in, but he's also the future administrator of the Vincent Hanna School of Improvisational Comedy (laughs) and the Neil McCauley School of Sketch Comedy, Mr. Connor Ratliff, mate. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. This is so Uh, good. 158 episodes in. And what are you going to do when you get to the end? <laughs> I've said, this is my standard line until we actually experience it, until you've all there, and until I'm there recording it. Yeah. I'll probably be holding this podcast cold, dead in my hands. Like, this, yeah. is my, this podcast is my Neil McCauley. This is mm-hmm. my everything. Tears yeah. will be welling up. I'll be looking off into the sunset and know that this one true pursuit, it's, all, it's gone. And so, God, yeah. I'm just going to have to let God moving over the face of waters just wash over me, and we'll just have to see where it goes. You just have to do – any future episodes are just listening to that Moby track. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Pretty much, just pre- in preparation, in preparation. Yeah. And I'm going to try – and, and people are going to try to get you to do some episodes where you go back and watch LA Takedown, and you're just going to say, I told you I'm never going back. I told you I was never going back. I told you I was never going back. And, and, and that uh, is the exact answer that I'll give if people are like, you should do another Michael Mann movie, minute by minute podcast. Yeah. I told you I was never going back. Uh, well, best of luck. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing, hearing how it ends. Well, look, I'm going to throw it out there in the universe, as I always do. The final two episodes of the film, the final, sorry, the final two episodes pre-credits, are the 165th and 66th minutes, pre-credits. I have a a schedule, which has obviously Connor's name on it for this episode. We talked about it when we even recorded his early episode. We found the minute. And for about a year, there's been two names across both of those episodes. That name is Michael Mann. So (laughs) if the universe... if, If I just... You know, was sitting down buying someone a cup of coffee, and I just the universe told me that that I could throw a, a thought out there and make something happen. It would be that Michael Mann is the person who was joining me for those episodes. Oh, I think it's going to happen. I'm an optimist. I think it is too. I think you. 
I think it would be, you know, I hope I'm not, I don't, I don't think I'm going to be proven wrong in this, but I think what kind of universe would it be in, in which someone could do something like this and it wouldn't end that perfectly? I think, I think, uh, I think he's going to hear the call. And I, and I hope that you guys listening who are now at 158 episodes, actually more because they've done a few bonus episodes. There've been some little previews and teasers of upcoming episodes and a, and a couple of times where I had a couple of people who were desperate to do the same minutes and I experimented with a crazy idea of having people do the same minute twice or like different people <laughs> do the same minute, yeah. which, which, which stopped almost immediately after it started. Yeah. But uh, I would hope that he's on here too. That would be a pretty amazing, uh, I think that'd be a pretty amazing end. I also uh, am totally willing to come back if you go back on your word and do L.A. Takedown and Robbery Homicide <laughs> Division TV show. Uh, the, the, because the thing is, like, I do on Twitter, I do these long – I'm currently in the middle of these – I do these long mega threads. You're doing a Mickey Mouse mega thread I'm for watching, Mickey Mouse's I'm watching, 90th birthday. Every day I'm watching – I'm chronologically watching every Mickey Mouse cartoon and tweeting about them every day. And I've done these things several times before. I did a I did a Porky Pig thread. I did a Roadrunner and uh, Wiley Coyote thread. Uh, I did an Elvis Costello thread where I went through uh, everything he'd ever recorded over the course of forty five days. And these are these like you do these undertakings that are obsessively uh, chronicling something. And when you get to the end of them, there is a feeling of loss. <laughs> yes. There's a tremendous feeling of what do I do now? What do I do if I don't do this? Which is a very funny thing to attach to something like a <laughs> Twitter thread or a podcast. When you get to the end of it, the loss that you feel, um, you only have to – I'll tie it back into the minute. When you uh, hit stop on the final episode, you will make the face that Neil McCauley <laughs> makes as he backs away from the car. And you, it will be this horror of like, oh no, it's it's really over, isn't it? <laughs> Just look at his face in that, and know that you have that coming up. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Oh well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another awesome episode. Of One hit minute. Connor Ratliff. You can find C O N O R A T L I F on Twitter. Follow him. His Mickey Mouse mega thread is just unbelievable, and much, and. Much in the spirit of people who are obsessed with this movie, we tend to find ourselves uh, being satiated by obsessive pursuits. So thank you. And I can't promise a, a minute-by-minute look at um, an LA Takedown or Robbery Homicide Division podcast, but I may talk to Connor off-air and see if there's a sneaky LA Takedown bonus episode, but we can just dive wholeheartedly into that. Because I've never seen it. I've, nev- I've always avoided it. I've never seen it. Oh, my God. Okay, so um, we were... We- but I do think... But I- I do also counsel that if you can find it and it's it's available in various illicit ways, I do think Robbery Homicide Division, for people who wonder what a heat TV show would have been like, yes, it's, it's fascinating. You know, it's a it's a it's it's a very it's a short lived TV show. I think it was on CBS, and but it is like the precursor to the look of. Um, of collateral like before when collateral came out everyone was like "Ooh, look at the look of this movie he'd already been kind of playing with that yes. on that show yes yeah it's definitely worth uh it's a good like come down from uh heat addiction uh is to <laughs> oh you can watch it won't be the same majesty as heat 
but it's an interesting uh, sort of follow-up, a sort of epilogue to that movie. Well, we can definitely do a bonus episode on Robbery Homicide Division. That's a good. That's a good excuse for me to talk about that show. Um, so we'll we'll stay in touch and we'll make sure we drop that around. You know, a little bit after this one. So those of you out there, there'll be a bonus one after you hear this. Um, but we'll record another time. But look, guys, thank you so much for listening to our episode. Another episode of One Hit Minute. Um, and I usually finish the show by saying this, which is we'll catch you on another episode of One Hit Minute just around the corner. And the heat is right around the corner so I'm going to just slowly back away you'll have to imagine me with Robert De Niro's sad face right now backing away out of this minute with Connor we'll catch you in another episode soon thanks guys When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.